Paul yeah. cared enough about both the people that Peter was reaching and Peter himself to talk to him to his face and say, what you're doing is wrong. everyone welcome back to the delighting in christ podcast i am your host kevin clark whaley birch and i'm the other host bethany birch the other host no you're the co-host no i'm the other host we are we're equal partners my love no i created this podcast this is my (laughs) i started this thing uh this is i am the numero uno uno on this show you are second in command (laughs) <laughs> I have many things to say to you, none of which can be on air. Anyways, so I'm probably in the doghouse tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so are you excited to be back for your second week here on the show? I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this. I've had like one hour of sleep in a really weird day. Yeah. Yeah, I've been excited all week about it, and I because last week I just thought we uh, did a really great job with um, talking about the the Bible, and we had some funny things. And one of our slogans for this show is to see the goodness of God in Scripture, and I want to tag on that in a lighthearted but thought provoking way, right? Is it? I'm trying to remember the exact phrase. It's like light. It's it. We lighthearted but deep. Lighthearted but deep. So, if you want lighthearted but deep uh, about spiritual stuff from the Bible, this is the podcast come to. Yeah, because we were talking about how there. You know, when you look at older Christians, we've noticed a trend that older Christians, you know, people who have been in the faith for a long time. They tend to be very light-hearted people, like they don't take themselves very seriously, but they're very deep. Right. So anyways, today we're going to be talking about Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But before we get into today's scripture, last week I didn't have an icebreaker question. This week I do, I brought it, and I want to know, well Bethany... Done. When was a time someone confronted you about something wrong you did? Mm, I like that question. And um, an example comes immediately to my mind of when I was working for the Mountain Air Cafe. Um, I'd been cooking for about a year and my boss called me into her office and she told me that she wanted to promote me to manager. Um, so she like really talked about all my good traits and why she wanted to promote me to manager. And she also said, but if you're going to be a manager, then you need to start treating your coworkers differently because you, the way you treat them, you act as though they don't matter. I I would do everything. Oh, Um, I see. And I would treat them like they were inferior because they weren't as efficient as me. Like I acted like I could run the whole place by myself. Mm. And my boss, you know, very gently was like, could you really, Bethany, could you really run this whole place if you had no coworkers? (laughs) And I... I was so convicted. I I actually drove to Did you really believe that? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, you what, treat- are you surprised at my arrogance? <laughs> Uh, I now I guess yeah I don't see you doing that at all but anyways you drove to uh, yeah so place. I felt so bad that I actually um, drove to each of my co-workers houses and apologized to them tearfully in person what would what would you do would you just like no I'm gonna make the pancakes no I'm gonna do the coffee no I'm gonna I'm gonna wait like you just stand in the corner and not do anything like how practically no, I, I how did you make that I didn't bark at people like that it was more like um, I would always put myself in the position on the line of cooks that required the most skill and I would stay there Um I, I honestly don't remember all the things that I would do because it's been a while, but I, I did treat everyone like they weren't doing a good enough job and I was the only one that could do a good enough job. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably true. I, you I, can see that in my No, I can right? I can see yeah. that. I couldn't see that now you doing that. No. But may, do you think that there could be though some areas in which you do that still maybe? Oh, definitely. Um, I've always pushed the people closest to me to perfection. Um, I did it with my roommates. Hmm. I do it with you. How do you do it with me? <laughs> um. I don't see. I, I. I don't. Yeah, I don't know you doing that to me. I mean, I. I've maybe on a couple of things, but yeah, I'm not as bad as I used to be about that. I don't. I like I I also don't push myself as much to perfection as I used to. So I also don't push others to perfection. No. Because we treat others the way that we treat ourselves eventually. Yeah, that's true. Well, I remember I've been uh there have been five times in my life where I could honestly say someone confront me in something I did wrong. I know it's a shocker to you that people have confronted me and stuff that I've done wrong because I'm practically a perfect person. I mean, there's Jesus and then there's Clark Birch. Uh, that's just how it goes. Actually, <laughs> the the moment when I became the most impressed with you before we ever started dating was when you confessed to um, the leaders group that we were both part of about something wrong that you had did. Wow, that was bad grammar. <laughs> You confessed. I thought she was supposed to be the grammar person on the show. <laughs> you had done no. something wrong, and you confessed it to the leaders group, and I was really impressed by your humility. Was it the pornography thing? No, it was when you spent your fundraiser money. Oh, Boise. yeah, I we were no, it wasn't for Boise. It was for the Houston trip. I know, but you spent it in Boise. I spent it on something. I, we were supposed to go to a trip. My parents gave me money, and I basically spent it on... I, I don't even remember what I spent it on, but um, I was convicted of basically stealing from my parents, and so I didn't go on that trip because, I mean, they already you know gave me the money for it, mm-hmm. and I said, I'm not going. I, you know, I it blows my mind just thinking of that, seven years later 
it just sees how much I've grown because I, I, not that I totally forgot that, but you forget those little things. Mm, And it's like, oh, that's how I've grown. All right, (laughs) but the one that I think was the most funniest and I think is the, in similar ways, the most relevant to what we're going to be talking about today is the time when I was in, uh, at Camp Baraka working there on staff. I was a... No, I was recreation staff. So I would um, be at this camp where there were kids there and I would, you know, lead them in the go-karts and the the fun activities and whatnot. But anyways, on our off hours, the staff and stuff would just hang around camp and we uh, sometimes went to the pool area that they had there. And there's no lifeguards and stuff on duty because, I mean, the staff were the lifeguards. So, But there was this one time where I jumped into about five, five and a half foot of water, or not jumped in, more like dived in. I came back what? up, and there was this older maintenance guy. His name was Hollywood, and he had the name Hollywood because he loved horror movies. So he was a little bit of a... Uh, interesting dude to say the least and he his face was red it was puffed up and he yelled at me I can't remember what he said he didn't didn't cuss but I mean he laid it into me like what I did was stupid (laughs) which it was I mean there have been people like Johnny Erickson Tata that you know dives and then they are paralyzed the rest of their life but I was smart you see you, you don't dive like uh, at a 90 degree angle into shallow water, you dive like you're skipping a rock. And that's what I did. So I was smart are you, diving. Are you comparing your body to a rock? Yeah, I'm I'm the rock. I'm Dwayne the <laughs> Rock Johnson right now. <laughs> I actually wouldn't like having Dwayne the Rock Johnson's body type. Like, yeah, dude's buff. Yeah, he's ripped. But I don't know. That just doesn't appeal to my kind of bite. So I like the runner body style but anyways um yeah that dude laid it into me and um i had to go the next day and just say hey i'm sorry that was stupid should have done that but um i'll kind of uh get to a reason why i shared that story later on but you want to go to the text and let's read the text so today we're going to be going from galatians 2 11 through 14 I thought it was 11 through 13. No, 11 through 14. You heard me wrong. I said there was four verses, not three. Maybe I I said 13. I don't know. Maybe I have been misled. Well, whatever. We're going to have to throw this whole podcast away. Yeah, apparently. So anyways, let's read um, 11 through 14. So, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew... Live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So, 
the first thing I want to point out, and then we can see what you caught in scripture. I mean, there's several things that I came away with. I remember telling Bethany that we're going to be doing three, four verses. And you're like, I can't believe we're only doing this amount of verses. Like we need to do 10 or whatever. You didn't say 10, but no, but you're, you're right. There is a lot of, there is a lot more content than you would think. You think, Oh, you just read it. You know, I, I remember, one of our friends saying that she was discipling this person once and the person was like, yeah, I pretty much know everything about the Bible. Really? Have you read the Bible? Like, like there's a reason this is the number one book in the world because Mm -hmm. there's just so much, like, is the number one book that anyone has written about. You're not going to find... You're not going to have it all figured out. You're not going to have it all figured out. You'll have, you know, some major things figured out, but you're not going to have every little intricate detail figured out so anyways one of the things that first stuck out to me when i read this was when paul says peter stood condemned well pause so just in case this is confusing your translation calls peter cephas so peter stood condemned so what does that mean condemned because we would say condemned means eternally separated from god like in a standing position but if you you know like american english mm-hmm. a word can have two different meanings right so for example condemned in this context just means peter's guilty it doesn't mean that he's condemned before god and that he lost his salvation or anything like that it just means he's guilty yeah the nlt says what he did was very wrong yeah And if you read in like Philippians, the word flesh can either mean physically alive or your sinful desires or salvation. These are just a couple examples of how a word can mean a couple different things and that we need to take them into context. So like when some parts in the Gospels say salvation, they could either mean physically saved, like you physically got healed from something, or it can mean that you're spiritually saved from your sins. It's a saving grace versus a common grace. So so those are just a few examples that we need when we read the text, we need to keep in mind the context behind the text to understand the the words and definitions. What is so funny now? What <laughs> kind of word did I screw up? No, I'm sorry. I'm just focusing so hard because I, I had so little sleep. <laughs> and the context I'm, of the text just really... The context of loop. the text. Well, I'm talking and you're just like... I got this goofy <laughs> look on your face. I just... <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying. I know you okay. got it. I know I'm not mama and you got less sleep than I. So yeah. Anyway, so what did you pick up in um, the verses that you did? Yeah. So first thing was in verse 11, Paul says that he opposed Peter to his face. Yeah. I really appreciate that because nobody enjoys conflict. Um, <laughs> Nobody. I don't care who you are. I don't even think Paul enjoyed conflict, but he had to. Do but he it. did it right. Yeah. You know, he went to Peter to his face and said, hey, you've been doing this wrong. Right. And I'll bet you like in the long run, Peter appreciated that. Like, imagine if instead of doing that, Paul just started telling the other disciples, hey, did you know that Peter's been doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, what should we do about it? 
or you know just completely ignore that he's doing it mm-hmm. uh, paul yeah. cared enough about both the people that peter was reaching and peter himself to talk to him to his face and say what you're doing is wrong yeah i want do you think though if paul if this situation came up in 21st century america do you think paul would have been like on twitter peter what in the heck are you doing and like send out a tweet you think he would have done that or he would have went face face? Well, the interesting <laughs> thing about like these letters is these letters were not meant to be read privately. Yeah, they were meant to be read publicly. Yeah, so, I mean, it is kind of comparable. It, these letters would have been spoken aloud to large groups of people. But Paul wrote this letter, but he opposed them to his face. He didn't just write a letter and then send it and then they wrote it because... I mean, it says right there. He, oh, oh, I got He opposed it to his face. Yeah. Not, I wrote a letter, and then through that letter, Peter knew that he was guilty and that he did wrong. You're right. Yeah. yeah. He would have opposed him first and then written the letter. Yes. So basically, in today's 21st century, he would have opposed him to his face and then wrote it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, Peter. <laughs> Peter gets such a bad rap, but... One of the things that really this text stands out to me in, in several different ways, because when I was in uh, in college, I remember going through a phase where I thought Christians didn't sin. And I remember one of the arguments for that, because there would be, you know, there would be people who were like, well, those who are born of God do not make a practice of sinning, which is true. Uh, but what do we mean by like practice of sinning? And one of the and so some people take that verse and say, if you sin one more time while you are saved, then you lose your salvation or you prove that you never had salvation. And when I was studying up like if Christians sin, because this was important to me because I was struggling with pornography, I got brought this section and this is verse twelve of chapter two. It says for before certain men came from James, he was eating with Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. This is after the Pentecost. This is after the Holy Spirit indwelt the lives of the apostles and for those who believed in him. And yet, Peter still feared the circumcision party. He still withdrew from the Gentiles. And, and therefore, he was not in line with the gospel, and therefore, uh, he was in sin at that point. So, this, this is after the death and resurrection on the cross. This is after Pentecost, and Peter sinned. And not only was it a sin, but it was a habitual sin. It was something that Peter has always struggled with. He denied Jesus three times to a small girl, a servant girl and denied him and now he's denying the gentiles and not eating with them so he kind of has this habitual well so to speak sin it's interesting that you call it a habitual sin not, because what i'm reading into it is that peter was a people pleaser yeah, yeah exactly that's because, that's what i'm saying yeah the yeah. nlt says he was afraid of criticism mm-hmm. from the people who insisted on circumcision yeah he was a people pleaser which a lot of us i mean if we're going to be honest with ourselves I can be a people pleaser. I know not really. You're not. Yes, I am. 
Don't you try to argue what's... What? You're not pleasing me right now. Like, you're not agreeing with me, so clearly you're not a people pleaser. Wait, I didn't say I was agreeing with you. How, how, no, wait, how was I not agreeing with you? I just I, I said, said he was a people pleaser. I said you're not a people pleaser. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. I wasn't agreeing with what you're saying that I'm not. I got, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Uh, my brain. I know, I got it, I got it. Anyways, so, yeah, you know, we've seen Peter do this before, which is actually uh, interesting. I really appreciated my mentor in college um, guiding me to the verse that says, am I pleasing God or am I pleasing men? For if I were still pleasing men, I would not be a follower of God. Clearly, that was something that was very important to Paul, and that was something that Peter really needed to hear over and over again. I've seen in my life, pleasing people is good up to a point. There, There is a line that you can cross where... Mm-hmm. You are damaging yourself. You're not glorifying God. It's like we want to please people in one sense, but at the same time, if that means pleasing people to the extent of not following God, then we should not please people. Like we should please people above ourselves, but not please people above God. Another thing that I caught, and the rest of the Jews, so this is verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray now uh, by their hypocrisy. Now, Barnabas and Paul, from what I was reading from one of the commentaries, was that they were pretty in sync with each other for in the ministry to witness to Gentiles. So Paul was very surprised that Bar- even Barnabas was led astray. And what's really interesting, and I think this is to one degree why leadership is important and also why we shouldn't always follow our leaders. Because leadership is important because what we do affects what the lives of who we're serving and ministering to do. But in the other sense, we should also be leading so that people uh, would be led by Christ. So Paul says, you know, follow me as I follow Christ because we've seen, you know, churches that, you know, those churches where you have this one dude and people are being ministered to and then somehow something goes haywire and then the church just dissolves and separates and breaks loose. Whereas a healthy church, in my mind, if something happened to that leader, uh, people would step up and that church wouldn't Mm. dissolved does that make sense so in one sense you want to lead people like you're uh following christ but you don't want to lead people in the sense that you're the dude to go to right you don't want them all dependent on you yes that's exactly what i'm saying like you want them to depend on christ and and his word but if you die or something happens like we've seen a lot of um scandals Mm-hmm. from pastors if something like that happens people won't either fall away of their faith or they're they won't leave the church because their dude is not there anymore yeah something i think really healthy that me and nicole do the worship leader at um, our church is we're always thinking of how we can replace ourselves mm-hmm. like we, we try really hard not to make ourselves irreplaceable like, okay, how can I delegate this job and how can I um, 
work this position in such a way that it can be easily handed off. Mm. I think that about this podcast sometimes. I think, how am I going to hand out this glorious podcast? Uh (laughs) How am I? Because I just don't want this podcast to just go away when I die. Right, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully, you know, my son or something will take over. I don't know. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Your four-year-old would have the set. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so question for you. Yeah, what's up? So this whole controversy is um, that the Judaizers want people to get circumcised. Uh-huh. But that's not necessary for salvation. No. So what do you think would be the modern day equivalent? Baptism. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think baptism would. I mean... I mean that that's the one that always crosses my mind like be saved unless you're baptized there are some people mm. that believe that mm. well when I researched it a little bit circumcision is a Jewish custom yeah so the people who wanted you to get circumcised were basically Jewish nationalists mm-hmm. no nationalist is where you are very loyal to your country I think of the American missionaries who very misguided um, in the late 1800s would go to evangelize other cultures, uh-huh. but because they were nationalists, they believed that they, these people they were evangelizing to couldn't be Christians unless they wore European clothing, and they couldn't be Christians mm. unless they spoke English. Mm. I, I think that's um, pretty comparable to what peter and paul were dealing with in antioch Mm -hmm. there is this great quote about that kind of legalism from tim keller because the the of course this is all about legalism like Mm -hmm. you must do this and that in order to get salvation uh, timothy keller says legalism always results in pride and fear psychologically and exclusion and strife socially think another one and i've obviously talked about this briefly but uh people maybe another one would be well if you're not of this political group then you're not a christian right and whether it's the left or the right i believe that there's both on both sides Mm -hmm. and obviously we see in uh, the gospels with the um, Jesus's disciples, he called both sides. You know, he called Peter the, which would be the quote unquote right wings, like let's take down this Roman government, and then he called, um, I, I Matthew, Matthew, yeah, like the tax collector. And he says, no, follow me. Don't follow these two parties because in the end, they're political parties. They're a worldly system that's going to eventually fail. Do they both have good things that we can take away from? Absolutely. Am I called to follow a political party? No. I'm called to follow Christ mm-hmm. and what his word says. And so I think that could be another one like, oh, you know, you need to submit to um, and vote this way or else you're not a Christian. I think that's another one uh, along with the baptism and mm. whatnot that could be. Well, and I think one, one of, those, of the underlying... At least in our country. I think one of the underlying ideas here is um, we should be compelled by grace, not driven by guilt. Mm-hmm. Getting to verse 14, it says this, but when I saw that there was 
their contact and their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all, and this, and, and, and this is really the crux of the conversation because we see that Paul poses Peter to his face, so he's not talking behind his back or anything like that, but then he actually speaks out and what he talks about in verse 14 and if you read the rest of you know 15 through 21 or something you'll see kind of just how i believe how loving paul is in the situation with peter he says if you though a jew live like a gentile and not like a jew how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews. And then he goes on and talks about how we're justified by faith. You know, if I were, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest in my own sin and my own fallenness. If, if I were Paul put in the situation, I'll be honest. I would probably say, Peter, are you even a Christian? Like, do you even follow God? Like, what are you doing? But Paul asks this question, and then he lovingly goes into um, the grace of God and points him back in a gracious way to how we're called. Like, we're not called by our ethnicity. We're not called in basically what we do for God, but we're called because of his grace and his mercy and his love. We're not, does that make sense? Yeah, I was just thinking that if I was part of this debate at the time, I probably would have been on Peter's side because I'm a rule follower. I like rules. Rules are comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I would have been like, Paul, why are you trying to discourage him from following rules? What's wrong with that? Yeah, like, and we're going to see later on in uh, Genesis 5 that uh, rules are good to follow. But right now... (coughs) um, yeah, what you know, what you're saying is yeah, rules are comfortable and yeah, because <laughs> you're contradicting. We're running. We're, no, so, rules well, are good, but and we should follow them. Uh, but also, we shouldn't follow them. Well, it depends on what kind. Of, I mean, what kind of rules are we talking about? We're talking about. Well, that's really. I think that's really an important thing to define with this passage. Yeah, exactly, because what they're. I mean, this wasn't exactly God's moral law. This was uh, ceremonial laws and maybe civil law. I don't definitely was, ceremonial laws, right? Which would include circumcision, um, feast, um, rituals. I'm yeah, assuming. it's it's just all tradition. And, yeah, which is you know Christ came and he abolished um, the cer- the ceremonial and civil laws, like we know longer to a degree uphold to those like obviously in our culture in our context we there's civil laws in the in the old testament that oh, we don't we don't need to follow because our culture isn't like that you've read more of the old testament than i but you know one of more. my favorite rules was if you need to poop you need to go outside the camp and dig a yeah. hole yeah so it's like we don't have that law we have toilets we have cleansing cleanliness <laughs> in no. our society like we don't poop in hallways like they did in England and and 
They didn't poop in I hallways. thought you told me that they like pooped in hallways and the and the queens like walked on poop and stuff and No, I definitely did not tell you that. I'm pretty sure no, you told they, me that. No, they they had like, you know, those little <laughs> potty chairs and they'd poop into a pot and then you'd dump your pot into the alley. Oh, it was the alley. Okay. Not not into your okay, house. Well, That's gross. Okay. Well, maybe okay. The was, alley's fine though. Okay, well, people walked in it and stuff. But anyways, so we we don't uphold to those laws, but we still obviously have to uphold to the moral law, not in a legalistic earning salvation kind of way, but because we love God for who he is. Right, compelled by grace. Compelled by grace. Not driven by guilt. Compelled by grace, not driven by guilt. Yeah. Right, because it's like, okay, I am not going to tell a lie not because I'll feel guilty if I tell a lie, but because I know that Jesus loves me and I am I love him and I want to please him by not lying. Yeah, exactly. So that that's in in one way that's why I meant by that you know it's good to follow quote unquote rules, but then it's not good to quote unquote follow rules because there's two different kind of rules. There's Wow, thanks two, for making that so two, clear. Two different kind of laws. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but I think one of the questions that we could take away with this while we're wrapping up this is how could you motivate yourself or possibly other Christians less with guilt and more with gospel? I have a few thoughts. So for myself, uh, if you don't know me, I I have a lot of condemning thoughts a lot of the time because I see the imperfection in myself and I see just how much of a wretched sinner I am and what for for me I have to always preach the gospel to myself preach his grace and his mercy that all of what he did on the cross is sufficient in my life and he he paved a way for me to have a right standing with God. He declared me as righteousness by grace through faith in Christ. And so by preaching the gospel to myself, I often have to quote the Bible. So like, for example, Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I also have to pro- quote, Philippians 4, 6 to myself, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then I also have to preach First John to myself, like if we confess our sins, he is able and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all from all unrighteousness and so when i quote quote verses and promises like that to myself i'm preaching the gospel to myself and i heard a quote once and it's been quoted by many pastors says every promise in the bible for a christian is yes and amen And for other Christians, when they stumble, when they fall, when they're not acting in line of the truth of the gospel, well, we just need to hammer them with God's wrath. I mean, I just, no, of course. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There actually, there is some point where we want to be lovingly and warn people, uh, 
it, you know, it, depending on the context, obviously, because there were contexts of uh, where Paul talks about people who are in constant habitual sin. Uh, but, you know, when I think of Peter, you know, I quoted Peter uh, and him denying Jesus three times. What's interesting is that in chapter 13, at the end of it, you have Jesus telling Peter that he's going to deny him three times. And he's denying the Lord three times. But in chapter 14, and we often miss this because of the, the chapters and the verses, and we don't read, you know, read it like it's a continuation of him talking in there. But Jesus, after he says that, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And then a few verses later, he says, I go and prepare a place for you. He's talking to the 11 disciples at this point. This is after the Last Supper. This is after he gave Judas or basically told Judas that he's going to betray him. He says, do it quickly. And Judas left and he went to the Roman guard so that he could have Jesus arrested. And then he told Peter that he's going to deny him. And then he said to the apostles, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I found that interesting because it, just think of it for a moment. I was, I was contemplating this. How long is this bunny trail going to go? It's not a bunny trail. <laughs> okay. Cause I found my quote and it relates to something you were talking about earlier. Okay. Well, why don't you go with it and then I'll continue my bunny trail. Well, no, because, I mean, how long is your bunny trail going to go off? Okay, can you... Do, okay, go ahead. Give me, go ahead. like, two minutes. All right. So, just think about this. So, I mean, I don't know if this pertains. It's just an interesting thought. I like interesting thoughts. Okay, we'll get it out, and we can cut it out if we don't like it. We're going to keep it. <laughs> That's what I say to that. No. So, just think of this. Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. And then he goes, let not your heart be troubled. I wonder why Jesus said that. And the reason why I think Jesus particularly said that, uh, definitely to the disciples, but not only to the disciples, but to Peter, is because think of what, I mean, Peter was along with Jesus's ministry for three years, I think, for the most of his ministry. He heard everything that Jesus said. He followed him. He at one point heard Jesus say to the crowd, I think it was in the Sermon on the Mount or somewhere in the Gospels. He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Mm. And when Peter denied Jesus, mm -hmm. I wonder if somehow it was in his head that Jesus would deny him before his father. Because cool because you, you think about Satan, he's roaming around like prowling, lying, prowling, lying, lion, lion, and seeking to devour people. And he knows that Peter's an important part to Jesus' ministry. I mean, G Peter is the cornerstone of the church, is what um, Jesus says. And... So I'm wondering if Peter had some condemning thoughts of himself mm. of like, well, I'm going to just go back to fishing now because obviously Jesus is dead. I'm 
you know, I denied him like it's over for me. Like just go back to my old Mm -hmm. life. And what I love so much about Jesus, and I think this is where it comes back to other Christians, is that Jesus, he didn't just go, like, first off, he said he told Peter what he would do. And then afterwards, he didn't go to Peter and be like, why would you go back to your old life? Why didn't, like, I told you who I was. I told you I'm coming back. I told you, you know, I'm the son of God. He didn't do that. He made them breakfast. And then he didn't even tell him, you need to repent, Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you you know all things. And he says, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my sheep, go make disciples. I, it, it just blows my mind. Like He wasn't like, you know, Peter, are you really a follower of me? Like he didn't like harsh into him. He graciously like fed him. He, it, it just, Jesus just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's really good because yeah. Anyways, what's your quote? <laughs> okay. That's, Hey, that was about three minutes. I good had to explain that. Uh, good job with your timelines. So this is from Ann Voskamp. She says, Christianity isn't about growing good. It's about growing grace-filled. The grace we've received from the heart of God is the grace that extends our arms to the world. Why in the world did I keep telling my boys to be more Christ-like as if he was a ladder to ascend, Mm. to progressively strive to be more sanctified, when being Christ-like is about being grace-filled, not about ladders, but about laying down and reaching wide. Christianity isn't about growing good. It's about growing grace-filled. The gospel isn't a one-time message for the unbeliever, but the constant miracle for the um, imperfect. Mm -hmm. This changes absolutely everything. Evangelize yourself every day. So I said earlier, I like rules. Rules are comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. And being good is um, sort of a a, a trap (laughs) that we can all fall into thinking that we can, if we're good enough, Mm -hmm. we don't even need Jesus. Right. If we're good enough, God will just let us in. And we can hear that sometimes in Christianity, it sounds like we just need to be better people. Yeah. We need to act better. We mm-hmm. need to talk better. We need to evangelize more. We need to read our Bibles more. You need to pray more. You don't read your Bible 27 hours a day like I do? 27 hours yeah, a day? Yeah, 27 hours. I'm, dev- I'm a devoted Christian. That's how you <laughs> manage to listen to two years worth of podcasts <laughs> in <those> two months. <laughs> You're getting three extra hours in your days. Um, so it's a good reminder for me, and I need to hear it constantly, that Jesus did not die so that I could make sure to dot my I's and cross the T's. He wants my life to be more grace-filled. I think Timothy Keller also said, I love Timothy Keller. Um, I I love the books that he writes. I haven't read like 
a lot of them, but I've read some of them. And one of the things that one of his quotes is, um, you are more, it was like, you are more sinful and wicked than you ever dared to believe, but you are more loved by God than you ever dared to imagine. It's something like that. Mm. And it just goes to show like, you know, as I grow in my faith, the more and more I see my sin. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is as we grow more and more in our faith, the more we should see the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And I, it, it, it's just amazing to see God's grace and His mercy even though I see every flaw and imperfection in my life. You see every flaw and imperfection? Well, I see a lot of flaws and imperfection. Maybe not every. I don't take me literally in that. I don't. I, I will see. I will see one day every flaw and imperfection. I will see understand all my motives one day when I'm standing before the Lord, and I'll see my life and be like, "Wow, uh, I really didn't deserve grace, <laughs> but you, for some reason, you gave it to me mm-hmm. on the basis because um, you." Are a loving God, and mm-hmm. and that's the only basis that you gave that grace to me for. It's because you're loving and you're holy and you're just, and you provided that way uh, through Jesus Christ with His death and resurrection on the cross. Right, and and sanctification is important. God oh, does want yeah, us absolutely to become holier, but it also says in First Corinthians thirteen that if I do not love, I am nothing. It doesn't matter if I become the most perfect little Mm do-gooder child with no flaws or imperfections. If I do not love, if I do not love God, if I do not love my neighbor, I am nothing. It was all for nothing Mm -hmm. because Christianity is not about doing more good. It's about growing in more grace. So getting to a close here, so going back to the story of where I have been corrected, and I think this needs to be brought up just for a brief moment as kind of like an application, uh, more, uh, more of an application for us, is that, you know, the guy who yelled at me when I was, you know, dope, when I skipped into the pool and like a, act, like a like a skipping rock instead of a throwing it down, straight down uh, when I dived into the pool though that guy huh dove dove sorry dove into the pool <laughs> when I dove into the pool and that guy yelled at me that that guy you know looking back on it years later the guy was really loving because yeah. he didn't want me to get paralyzed and be on a wheelchair or on a bed the rest of my life and so I think the takeaway from this is when Paul opposes Peter to his face, um, we need to take away that, guess what? Me, you, uh, people in our church, um, you know, we're going to do stuff wrong. And when we do stuff wrong and someone confronts us, whether it's in our sin or whether whatever, and we're trying to be corrected in something, let's not be prideful and arrogant and be like well I know what's best 
let's really look and examine ourselves and be like, you know what? They may have a point. They may are just trying to love us. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. we need to be humble and ex- and receive correction in the people that um, we're dis- that are discipling us, and that and other people need to receive the correction of who we're discipling. Yeah, and that's kind of the takeaway that I had with it is like let's just be a people because we have received the grace of God for those who have received Jesus by faith as their treasure and God loves us and we know where we stand with him we stand in a right relationship with him now he wants us to grow in faith and people who love us and who are following Christ um, want us to grow and become more like Christ so do you have anything else before we end today's episode this week's episode this is one hour of sleep person (laughs) hopefully you're more alive next week I'm just trying to hold it all together Um, no alright well anyways guys thank you for uh, tuning in to this week's episode I hope you enjoyed Uh, if you've would love to I would love if you would please rate and review um, the show because if you do that it helps the algorithm stuff out to where we get noticed more and the more people notice it the more people be blessed by it and so and all we want to do is please people. and all we want to do is please people no actually no I just I just want the word of Christ to get out and if you're listening to other Christian podcasts that are trying to do the same do the same for them as well and re- review their Um, stuff and give them a good review because let's get the word of Christ out um, so that other people can be saved and the kingdom of God can grow because his kingdom is not about buildings but it's about the people Mm -hmm. and that's where the growth of the kingdom grows is in the people so uh, anyways thank you for listening appreciate you guys hopefully my wife will be a little bit more upbeat next week. What? Right? I'm I'm always upbeat. I feel super good. Super yeah, your hour of sleep really, really is not doing you justice right now. <laughs> what makes you say that? Is it my blank stare? <laughs> yeah, it is. Anyways, guys, I hope this week that you see the goodness of God, not only in Scripture but throughout your daily walk with Christ, and that. You know how much he loves you, that you can love him all the more. And so, and remember, you don't have to be more gooder. You have to let God fill you with more grace. Amen. All right. Peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs> <laughs>